0: hey everybody welcome back to searching the sacred jason lisa and what what why are you laughing already
1: because your cadence was real weird
0: (laughs) (laughs) we might just keep this in why not We're, we're a fallible podcast we're we're real human beings this is not robotic or ai at all so (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Searching the Sacred. My name is Jason. I'm here with Stephanie and Lisa, and we are happy to be hosting your conversation on the Bible, where we are going to be searching the Holy Scriptures and talking about passages and deconstructing them and reconstructing them in a way that makes them more muddy than probably clear. Is that an accurate description of what we do?
1: I don't know. It was really fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to be totally different because you said my cadence was weird. So I tried to make it weirder.
1: (laughs) You did. It was very AI esque. I like it sounded
0: robotic. Well done. Okay. I was trying to be chat GPT. Um, Perfect. So we are in a series where we are looking at things that Jesus said to people or interactions that Jesus had where things were a little bit spicy, a little different, not exactly what we would assume the benevolent, kind-hearted, loving, sacrificial savior of the world would say to someone. And we are going to be taking a look at Matthew 16, 1 through 4 this time. And let me just say before we get started that we are recording this on the Monday after the Super Bowl. So can- congratulations to Kansas City, all the Swifties out there, of which I uh hold myself as one. We are super thrilled about that W. And uh but there's just, you know, a lot of tiredness and whatever. So we're gonna just, you know, we're pressing forward as the Bible talks about. We're pressing on because we are going to achieve the mark that God has for us. So wow, I have Christian ease that one up a ton. So here we go. Lisa, Matthew 16, one through four. This one's off the rails, and Isn't, I'm the only one I that's talking so We far. are
1: off the rails and we have not even read a piece of scripture yet. <laughs> so so just buckle
0: up. Um, I just I just love that there's some people that are listening for the first time and they're like, Nope, they already turned it off. But then there's people that have been listening to all of these and they are laughing because they know this doesn't ever happen and they're like, what happened to our people? But um, anyway, here we go.
1: Okay. Um. Okay, so Matthew 16 uh, verses 1 through 4 and I'm going to rank, read out of the New King James Version. Then the Pharisees and
2: Sadducees came
1: and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet
3: Jonah. And he left them and departed. These are such feel good passages that we've chosen for Lent.
2: I just would- warm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like though,
1: in keeping with things, just being whatever. Like Sign of the Times just reminds me of Prince. Like I immediately get the Prince symbol and the album in my nice. That's what happens when I read this. I don't think that's what the scriptures intended, but that's what's happened <laughs> right now. Just that that,
0: that that really touched a nerve it's- with our Gen Z <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Thank you for doing that, Lisa. <laughs>
1: They
0: know who Prince is. I know. I'm
3: kidding.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some I've seen um I've seen some pretty good videos of people calling out Gen Z folks for wearing a Prince shirt but not being able to name any of his songs. So
3: mm-hmm. Well Um <laughs> So
2: besides a Prince album. <laughs> what <laughs> you notice what came to mind when you heard these verses of Jason, you called it spicy Jesus. I've heard Lisa say sassy Jesus. So everybody can choose mm-hmm. their adjective of of how it how it feels to hear Jesus talking this way.
3: But what'd you notice? It seems like really strong language. Um you know, it's not necessarily, I don't know. I feel, I can't tell if
1: it's like a passive aggressive Jesus. That's like,
3: <laughs> I don't think
1: that's quite what it is, but it's like, it's not name calling, but it is name calling. Like, <laughs> it's like a blanket out there of like, if you do this, this is what you are. Um. So I, I don't know how direct it is, but like it feels when you, a wicked and adulterous generation feels like very strong words. I mean, hypocrite
3: feels medium doesn't feel good but i'm not sure how sassy it is Hmm.
0: i just feel like this is a loaded passage i mean we have the idea of like signs we have the pharisees and the sadducees here together we have like hypocrite we have wicked and adulterous generation we have jonah thrown in here i mean there's just seems to be a lot of things to Potentially glean from, depending on what route we take. I, I feel like there's just a lot in this four verses. Like, like woo. Okay, unpack that. Go.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that because I'm curious. Like, why Jonah? Of all the people, of all the names, and of all the things, like
0: Jonah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because he's in the belly of a whale for three days, and Jesus <laughs> was was dead for three days, and so you know it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. just.
1: I appreciate these voices. I like it. (laughs) You're you're in a mood today, Jason.
0: I got woken up at four in the morning after going to bed around one o'clock, and so I'm not well rested. So you're getting caffeinated, Jason, today.
1: Why don't you, Jason?
3: I like it.
0: Well, I think it probably helps to start where.
2: uh, I don't, I think it was you who mentioned it, Jason, but the fact that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because that's really easy to glance over if we don't know the historical context of who these groups are. Um, and I think I hear it happen a lot with people where they, because of the way that, These religious groups are talked about in the New Testament, and because of the way pastors have talked about them in sermons, they're just clumped together um, in a way that is maybe not helpful for hearing what we're talking about. So Pharisees and Sadducees are very different groups, and in fact, they're groups that are opposed to one another. So what came to my mind as like hearing this passage, including the two of them approaching Jesus together Is this idea that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that they both, both groups Mm -hmm. are displeased enough with Jesus that they have bonded together Mm -hmm. to approach Jesus because the, because they are now friends because they are so opposed to this other person, this other perspective. And so it should be alarming in certain ways that they're approaching Jesus together because they have very different ideas of what it is to be faithful to God. So the um, Pharisees have the idea that being faithful to God looks like gathering in a synagogue to talk about the religious texts and do the best that we can to live faithful lives where we live. The Mm -hmm. Sadducees are a sect of priests um and um they believed in the importance of the written torah and that they emphasized the pre- priestly birthright and the importance of sacrifices in the temple um they were a part of the sanhedrin and had a high political social and economic status mm. um so the sadducees get their name from um Zadok, who was the high priest in the days of Solomon and they claim to be descended from the high priest of the days of Solomon, which is when the temple was built. So they're mm-hmm. claiming like an originalist priestly line mm. that gives them higher authority than other priests and is um, is even then against some of the other priests um, in terms of what they're trying to do or what this sect is. It's a very mm. particular sect with some power. Um That generally the Pharisees would be quite against because of that, because they're trying to bring religious life to ordinary folks, and the Sadducees are not ordinary folks, they're the opposite of ordinary folks. So something about Jesus has irritated both of these groups enough
3: mm-hmm. that
2: they're now coming to him together by the time we get to Matthew sixteen
3: hmm.
0: I think that's yeah, it's really important to. Point out that at this part, at this point in the the narrative, yeah, Jesus is it doesn't have a lot of uh, allies in the powerful ranks. Whether it's powerful with the people, powerful politically, powerful religiously, Jesus is not finding a lot of sympathizers outside of you know those that are really following and you know, the, like those that, that would, would claim to be his disciples. So yeah, he's, he's, a there's, there's a crossroads coming, right? <laughs> I mean, they're all going to coalesce against him pretty soon. So we're not, we're not too far away from that.
3: And like, I mean, I like Jesus. He's done some cool stuff, but I'd have a lot of questions. I'd kind of be like,
1: well, what's your deal?
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: mm-hmm what is actually happening? Cause I
3: feel, I mean, maybe it's, I don't know how many people are run around saying I'm a Messiah or like, I, like, I don't like, is it? I feel like
1: there's enough where like, you're like, well, he's getting some time. Like he's getting to actually have like a community of people kind of following him. Like it's worth paying attention because something's happening. But I feel like there's, I would have a lot of questions.
2: Right. I mean, that's the thing here, too. They're not they're not bonded together and like telling Jesus to stop or attacking Jesus physically or right. but they come together to ask for a sign. So both of these groups from very di- different religious philosophies are concerned enough to just be like, hey, hey, dude, like you, <laughs> you're getting some power we're a little concerned you're abusing that power would you just show us a sign that you're not harming the people we care about like there's also a way to not see these because Jesus is often opposed to groups we see them as being bad people or bad and there and there's a way to just pause and say let's assume good intentions these are religious leaders who have different perspectives on what it means to be faithful but perhaps have good intentions on what it means to be faithful and they're concerned that from both of their perspectives, Jesus is being unfaithful. So show us a sign that you're actually leading people in the right direction.
3: The, um,
0: That's really generous. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Lisa. I'll jump in. I'm not going to forget what I'm going to say. Yeah, so keep okay. going.
1: Okay. You're fired up. Um, the First Nations version of uh, the New Testament, an indigenous translation, but it changes the names, which I found a little bit helpful. And So I called the Pharisees the separated ones and the Sadducees the upright ones.
3: Mm.
1: Which I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting way of thinking. Like I, it helps me reframe them just a titch of like, yeah, there this is a group of people who agree with how they see the world, but they don't see the world neither of these groups see the world the same
3: way. And I mean I'm curious if like, does Jesus know that you can't meet in the middle or is Jesus trying to meet in the
1: middle? Like, is there a, I mean, as we're talking about sassy, spicy Jesus, it doesn't feel like Jesus is doing like that.
3: Jesus is being generous with, I don't know if Jesus is assuming the best about these books. <laughs>
1: I don't know if he should be i don't i like, think i don't I don't know. I'm just curious about a lot of the
3: different spaces that there's a lot of spaces in here of at this point what have what has everybody done to each other
0: The idea that they are testing Jesus there is a way to say. These are really caring, thoughtful people that are trying their best to care well for the people that that they are trying to shepherd or help connect to the divine in a meaningful way, all of that. Sure, we can have a generous reading of them. My experience when it comes to people testing people is basically, uh, do you agree with me on this? And if not, now I know to steer people clear of you. And in our time right now, a lot of that has to do with, are you an affirming Christian? How do you translate these six verses of the Bible? You know, is homosexuality a sin or is it not? Are same-sex relationships okay or are they not? And like, so when you get tested, that's what you're tested on. You get, and then there's there's other, there's other other areas of testing too, you know like are you a pre-trib mid-trib or post-trib you know tribulation type revelation person you know are you a you know there's all these little tests right and and the test isn't like it's not generous I'll be honest it's not like i really hope that you're someone that i could trust with the people i see under my care it it's it's like i want to make sure to steer clear these people away from you because i need them in order to to like to keep my power. And so I need to know if, if you're going to support me and help build my power, or if you're going to potentially take away from my power. That's the way I've heard a lot of it in my time, in our time. And, and so when I hear the, these groups coming at Jesus, it rubs me like, oh yeah, they don't like what's happening and they don't, they, they are they're testing him. And 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 the thing is is that it, he does not sound like they're at a Bible study where they're just like hanging out. He sounds like a prophet in this moment. Like when he calls them a an adulterous generation, I mean that sounds like straight up out of like Jeremiah or something. Like he's he's like you are so off. Like are you kidding? Um anyway, that so yeah I think he is being tough. I think he is being direct, and i and I think he's drawn a line in the sand, like we gotta stop doing this.
2: I think my need to give them a generous intention in my read is because of how often I feel like a lot of the harm the church has done is because we refuse to see ourselves as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And nine times out of 10, that is who we are in the story. And we need to hear these words of Jesus as being towards us. And we see ourselves as having good intentions and we see other people as having bad intentions. And so there's a way, I think, in order to see ourselves as the people Jesus is talking to, we need to pause and assume good enough intentions that we can see ourselves as them. Um, And maybe like one of the comparison groups that I would think about here is this is a bit politically like the – because the Sadducees are really committed to the written Torah and the Pharisees are committed to both the oral and the written Torah – the Pharisees would actually be considered liberal and the Sadducees would be considered conservative. So politically, we can think about a group of conservatives and a group of liberals both challenging Jesus because they both think Jesus is doing something harmful. If we see that, can we see ourselves as one of those groups who might challenge someone who seems like they're doing something harmful and what Would we be asking of them? And what if it's something different than a test? Because it doesn't say they ask for a test. It says they ask for a sign. How there are other times where they're clearly testing Jesus and where they don't look good. Like when they bring the man with the withered hand in front of Jesus, they don't look good because that's like a test that misses the humanity of someone else. And we see ourselves as somebody who would ask for a sign when someone is disrupting the way we're trying to do things in the world. And where might that be coming from and how, what kind of sign might we be asking for or why can we do a generous reading just for a moment? We can come back and attack them later if we want to. Absolutely. I just want to, I want to, I want to be generous enough in the reading that we can see ourselves as them. And so like, when, when might we ask someone for a sign, when might be, when might we be concerned about our people and our way of doing things in the world? to the point where we'd be concerned about someone else's use of power and ask for a sign.
1: I think it's pretty fair to ask for a sign after Jesus is doing miracles. I, I, I mean,
0: you do to- think it is, or you don't think it is.
1: Yeah, I do. Cause if he's, I, this is, <laughs> I would be very suspicious of everything. That is how I operate in the world. I have a lot of like, um, you know, if I'm a Pharisee or Sadducee, I can see the dominoes. I can see what happens with this guy. If this guy's right, if it's wrong, if I'm wrong, if that the whole thing's wrong. Like, there's a lot of what ifs. So, like, I, then I would try to get, like, some sort of, like, if I wasn't a witness to Jesus making bread and fishes do crazy things, or, like, I've heard about that. I've, I've heard that Jesus has done some healing. There's been people healed all in Right, if you like, I'm just in the previous story.
2: chapter, in the way Matthew's writing it, Jesus fed five thousand. So, like the miracles right before this story. Yeah. So, like for me, I feel like it's not like out of left field. It's not saying if you can't do a,
3: but it's it. They know it's with.
1: Maybe they're suspicious, or they know that it's within Jesus's realm to do some to do a sign. I'm I'm assuming that's what a sign is. Is a sign and a miracle same thing?
3: Are we same, same here or am I imagining that? That's a fair question. Yeah. Miracle, sign, token, or wonder? Yep. I feel like they, I don't feel like they're way off.
1: Obviously Jesus thinks they are. (laughs) As I say that, I realize what Jesus has said after they've asked for it, but I don't know how unreasonable it is that they've asked for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or that they've
3: asked, like, how many signs do you need, maybe?
0: So I, I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if it's going to be the right thing. But when I keep picturing this conversation, and I try to contextualize it for today, it feels a little bit like... You have your mainstream Christians over here and your conservative Christians over here and both have some political and influential power. And then you have like some, you know, I don't know, like new upstart church in the area that's growing leaps and bounds. And the the mainstreamers and the conservative, you know, Baptists or whatever are like, what's going on over there on the other side of town? Because that doesn't seem right to me. Um, Or it seems like they're growing pretty fast. We better go like test them to find out like, are they really doing this Jesus thing? Or are they, they, you know, what's going on here? But I don't think that's actually what's going on. I, I, I would contextualize this more to, you got the mainstreamers over here and you got the conservatives over here and whatnot. And then you have a immigrant population who is trying to talk about loving your enemies and radically helping those on the margins and it's growing and something's happening. And then, and then you got these powerful players going there and saying, let's just check to see if you're enough like us. And the response is, I don't have time for that. Like, are you kidding? Like, Do you not see what's happening in the world right now? Like, do you not see who's actually hurting? Do you not see who's actually in need of a revolution of love and justice? Do you not actually get what's happening? Why would I waste a miracle on proving to you what is so evidently clear and should have been clear all along throughout the scriptures if you actually read what you preached? And like, yeah, all you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And like, now we can dive into that all we want, but Jonah is someone with power who was going to preach a message of salvation and was like, nope, I don't want to waste my time over there. And God's like, mm, sorry, get to work. Like, it's a little bit like Jesus is like, we're just going to go do the work now. Like, either get on board or get out of the way. And like, I, I, I feel like I want to, I don't know.
3: I'm, I am I get heated about this one, I guess.
0: <laughs> There's a part of me that's just like, I don't, I, mean, I Yes, I want to be sympathetic because I know I'm the Pharisee or the Sadducee. I totally, totally am. I, man, I want, I want someone to, if I'm doing this wrong, I want to be, like, yelled at. Like, probably that might not go over well, but also, it might be what's needed. Like, I'll never forget having an indigenous person stand up in chaplains and say to all of us at Bethel and said, from a privileged position, you can never understand the Bible unless you listen to it from someone who's been oppressed. And I remember hearing that bold proclamation and I was like, no, I don't agree. And then I sat with that for a long time and I was like, oh crap, I think he's right. And I don't know what to do with that as a pastor at this school. Like it just, and it felt like this kind of a moment, like you all need to shut up now because you're missing what's happening in the real lives of real hurting people. And instead you're just protecting your privilege and your power over here. And it was awesome and hard. Anyway, I kind of, that's what I feel like Jesus is up to and
3: I like it. So anyway, I think we all have that thing to like
1: it's to suss out folks who are in power or who have the potential for power, and if we're going to trade in our power, if we have to who who's getting it who's going if there's like this huge wrestle happening, but there's also like but it's not just the Sadducees and Pharisees because the very next verses Jesus is saying some things to the disciples it's like nobody is understanding nobody is getting the message which then i then i then it makes me very, like well what are we doing then if jesus is jesus jesus is not clear like if the disciples aren't getting it and they're like
3: in the midst of it and the experts are looking at him going well they don't get it nobody gets it and so maybe jesus is just pissed because what he's trying to do isn't working Hmm.
2: I I keep thinking about <laughs> what what would what would AJ Levine say if she were in this conversation with us. So I I love I, that you're
0: on like a shorthand with her now.
2: <laughs> well, she goes by AJ.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Um, I like her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just her. Drum that she beats of you don't have to make Jews look bad to make Jesus look good, which has me pushing to see the Pharisees and Sadducees as good first, so that we can see more clearly what Jesus was against mm-hmm. um. And to say, like, what if, like, the Pharisees did have a reputation for caring well for their community, for welcoming the outsider, like, all those things that Jesus did, the Pharisees had a reputation for doing that. The Sadducees had a reputation for being faithful to the written Torah and saying the only way to be faithful to God is to have a temple. It's clear, it's written down. We're going to do everything that we can to maintain and have a temple because that's what faithfulness looks like. And we will keep this building open for you in the midst of political turmoil and turnover and all of the other empires coming and going. We will do what it takes to keep a temple open so that we can be faithful to God through the temple. And so if we see both groups as trying to hold on to something in the midst of chaotic times and feeling like Jesus is threatening something that they're nervous about, if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say, what if they're not nervous about their power? What if they are nervous for the people? And that Jesus is doing something that's leading the people astray. What kind of sign might they want? What would help them see Jesus as doing
3: something good?
2: Because it does say they're testing him, but here's where I want to again say like we we tend to have a, such a strong reaction to the word test like it's bad, but in the written Torah in in the Old Testament testing is a regular occurrence and it's not bad. God tests the people, the people test God, and it's a way that something is sussed out. Mm-hmm. And and it's seen over and over again as an act that leads to clarity. <laughs> So even even through the fact that if these two groups, in some ways, are being faithful to the Torah by testing Jesus, because there's a history of testing that leads to something good, mm-hmm. so even there, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and the testing and the asking for a sign, and just to say like, like I, what I think about right now, and I think about all the folks who are. In some part of a deconstruction process, and how untethered they feel, and how that's a word over and over that comes. Like I don't know what I'm founded on anymore. Mm-hmm. And both of these two groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, have stayed tethered to something. And are they looking at Jesus and saying, "You've untethered from too much." There's you're you're giving up too much. Like is that what they're concerned about? What might like what show us what you're still tied to
3: I feel like
0: and maybe I'm not saying this well because I'm saying it with such vig- vigor <laughs> I I feel like I want to hold two things at the same time I want to hold good intentions I want to hold dedication and care for people I want to hold that they are doing that but then when Jesus is calling them hypocrites Okay, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing but does the other. And so maybe they are maybe they're doing everything you're saying. Maybe they are saying we need to care well for the outsider. We need to create uh this temple and keep it holy so that it can be a place of worship and that it can be a place of connection to the holy of holies and to the divine and that needs to stand for all time and it like this is the connect-. like maybe they are saying and and saying all of that, but then what they're actually doing, which is what we see Jesus confronting over and over again is actions that aren't that and then he goes on to call them an evil and adulterous generation those are like heavy words like heavy that's not just like a hey you're kind of missing the mark i mean it's evil that's that's bad and then adulterous is is really really i mean that's that is one of the probably the worst things you could say to a religious leader is that they're they're representing as an adulterer, like, because that means they're not actually pointing people to God anymore. They're actually leading them away from God. And so there's something like, I want, I I, I want to hold both. Right. And like you said, for, for all of, for me, right. For me as a pastor of a local church in Shoreview, Minnesota, I need to hold both that. Yeah, we are trying our best to keep a tradition, to keep a gathering where we are centered around scripture and centered around fellowship and prayer. And I want to trust that we are doing that, but also like, what if we're not like, what if we're representing something that actually isn't the gospel? Like, what if we are more hypocritical than we're actually willing to see? Like, can we be called out for that? I would I would want to say yeah like call us out like name it like like let's go like but um yeah so I want to hold both like mm-hmm. I and and I to me it it feels really important to try to do that and I'm not holding the benevolent part well I'm holding the like the 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 prophetic pushback part well but um mm-hmm. I
3: want to try to hold both mm-hmm.
2: I think hypocrite is one of the words we wanted to talk about here because it's one of the spicy, sassy words of Jesus. So evil and, I, I also want to name this this phrase of an an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Ma, he already said that in Matthew 12:40. Um, so he's actually repeating himself with that particular phrase um, or 1239. Um, the scribes and Pharisees at that point are coming to him and asking for a sign, but he answers them, an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he goes on in 12, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster for three days and three nights, the son of man will be in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah's here. Hmm. So there's a lot to talk about there. And hypocrite is being paired with that here, which really just means actor in Greek. So it's a very strong word to us, but like it's he's calling them actors. Hypocrite is the idea of pretending, being an assumed character in one spot, but it's not matching something else. And so there's that idea of being an actor is being paired with this thing he already said at another time in response to their asking for a sign. Maybe a little curious about, I think when I think of hypocrite as actor, it feels more accessible to me to receive it. Um, because how many times do I say something, even on this podcast, how I might say something that's important to me about justice,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but then I'm not volunteering or I'm not, shopping differently on Amazon? Like where are my actions not matching my words? Like I think a lot of us, if we're honest, there's a lot of times our actions don't match our words, no matter where we're coming from politically, religiously, it's a part of the human experience to have actions not match our words. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Can we be challenged on that? Can we see it? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But then it's also curious to say how how is asking for a sign a part of that actions not matching the words? Peace for these groups. When I think about the sign of Jonah, one thing that I think about, I think about several things. If I think about the, yes, potentially the fish, but also the fact that Jonah goes to Nineveh and preaches repentance. Nineveh is the capital city of the most powerful empire in the world at that time. So it is um Nineveh is the capital of Assyria and at that point Assyria is in power which is why Jonah doesn't want to go there not because it's just not because it's an enemy but because it's an oppressor so there's a whole conversation there about what's going on in the book of Jonah of like who deserves who deserves mercy and who doesn't and also they all repent but he doesn't do anything to prove his message And so when I think about Jesus not giving a sign and saying the only sign will be given to you is the sign of Jonah is that somehow Nineveh repents without a sign. Hmm. And so the sign of Jonah in a sense is that it's possible to repent without a sign. And we got a whole book about that, but you're asking for a sign.
3: Why is it taking so much?
0: And there's also a narrative within Jonah of the prophet, asserting his own opinion about who is worthy of forgiveness right he's like they don't deserve forgiveness i'm not going there and now he could be going there because it's like i don't see that as safe i don't think it's a good idea to go to the you know the, the the belly of the beast right like i'm not gonna do that um but also i there's like pushback of like i don't they don't deserve this like they don't deserve this message and so he's gonna go the opposite direction and god's like nope like they're ready for it. They're ready to repent. They're ready to turn. And, and so I wonder if there's a little bit of like, you know, Jesus is like, Hey, the people are ready. This thing can start to turn, but you're, you're assuming that things aren't ready for something different. You're, you're still operating within the systems that are actually harming people. Um, you got to break out of this like you're asserting your own values your own views your own thoughts here and God's are the, the wind is blowing in a different direction buddies like we need to go we need to we need to catch up to this and like get on board um and I, and i and i like that you point out the idea of the everydayness of being a hypocrite which i think to me Is an example of trying to hold both right like everyday people trying to say the right thing but then getting caught up in their lives in a way that they're not living out what you know they may want to hold as true and and yeah we can all look in the mirror and and probably see that and again i think that's a really healthy tension to sit in the midst of
2: and that everydayness is reflected in the fact that what he challenges them on is that they you read the sky, you look to the sky for signs of visit I mean we still to have that phrase like what is it red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor's warning, like for generations, people have like looked for signs of like what's the weather going to be what's the mm-hmm. like there's a way to read the earth, yeah. And Jesus is saying, like, you do that, why can't you read the times?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You, the fact that you're asking for a sign means, like, that's the thing that's hypocritical because there's signs around you that you're not seeing as pointing to me. You're not reading. You're not reading what's. You're, maybe you're being faithful to what you think you're supposed to be faithful to, but you're not reading what time we're in. You're in the wrong time. You're seeing things wrong. You're missing, you're missing some things here and what you're seeing. It makes me think about what happens when we're trying to protect something. Because mm-hmm. that's something the Pharisees and the Sadducees have in common is they're both trying to protect something, which is a part of why they're asking for a sign. And
3: Jesus seems to be willing to risk a lot more.
2: And what signs would we see of our times if we weren't trying to protect the institutions or politics or whatever that we believe in? Would we see things differently if we stopped
3: trying to protect our point of view? That's good. That's hard. I think it's... uh
0: there's a part of me that is like, yes. And like, I want to be like such a champion of that idea because
3: when I, in some ways
0: it's because the things that I want to advocate for the system's not working in their, on their behalf. And so I want to say, yeah, like, this is broken. This isn't working. We need to like be willing to change and adapt. And like, we need to have this more creative posture, this open posture. Like, yeah, I love it. But if, but if like, but if I'm, but if I'm in power, I I don't, well, I'm going to be way, I'm going to be way more hesitant <laughs> about that idea of, uh, of things changing, of things blowing in a new direction of, uh, i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna have a little bit of a harder time hearing that,
3: Lisa. What have you been thinking about? Hmm. I mean, I just feel like it's I still would like clarity like I just don't know that it's wrong to ask for a sign. I think we ask for them all the time. Um, I mean, and when you're talking about something that feels like it's big as like, is Jesus
1: the Messiah? Man, it would have been helpful to have a big voice from heaven pop down and say, yep. And maybe that's part of the baptism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe that did happen. <laughs> so Maybe.
1: Yeah, you know, like it's and like how many people have to hear it, and you know, the work of. I
3: don't know.
1: Okay, but you believability moved. feels like.
0: <laughs> yeah, but okay, but Lisa, you've been moved by this story, right? We're all sitting here because we 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 have some level of appreciation and trust in the Bible being a sacred text.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't hear an audible voice from heaven saying, "This is the text to read." I mean I was handed this tradition by people I trusted growing up and I've had to wrestle with it deconstruct it try to figure it out does it make sense does it add up does it move us towards something that I think is valuable I mean we're all making a judgment call here and and I mean how many of us have like I mean sometimes I mean it would be really nice to like be like you know what I'm going to go lay a rug out on my deck and if there's dew on it in the morning but nowhere else on the deck, then God is real. And then if it happens, I'm gonna be like, well, actually, let's reverse it, right? Let's pull a Gideon, right? And like, okay, now the next day, put dew all over the deck, but then not on the carpet that I put out, right? Like, I want a sign, like, okay, God, prove it to me, like. But I also know, like, that's not how I, like, I don't need that, like, I, I, be it'd be cool, but like, I would also feel like, is that really what I need in order to? believe that like justice and mercy and forgiveness is like a healthier orientation than greed and oppression like i don't really think i need god to like do a a big like, a sign in order to like trust that like love and fruit of the spirit are healthier than scapegoating marginalized people for my own power like i don't <laughs> i don't need god to be like hey by the way treat people with kindness you know like We don't do that. Like, I mean, how many of us have had a big sign or an audible voice from heaven? Like, I mean, it's cool for those that have, like, and I've, I've talked to people that have had like kind of like unexplainable moments of like, where they felt like a physical presence of something of God, you know? And like, I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad that God met you in that moment in that way. Maybe that's exactly what you needed. I've never had that, but I've also... I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, and maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Well,
1: I kind of look across as
0: arrogant, but I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it.
1: (laughs) Okay. That does. Yeah. You can be arrogant. It's okay.
0: Well, I don't want (laughs) to try to, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I just,
1: (laughs) I am moved by this story
0: more than by the miracle, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: I'm, I think I get a little wrestly about all of it, which is,
3: I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't need to resolve all of it. I. But it makes me wonder about because it feels like
1: there's something about like how you interpret things or like, like maybe the caution that Jesus is saying is like, you don't get a sign because you're going to interpret it in a particular way. And that interpretation is not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Like maybe our interpretations have been wrong, even though like there's some that seem to be like you can read, seems like you got a pretty good handle on the earth. Although... Given the winter of this year,
3: I don't feel like we have a good read on the earth. Um, Like, what do you do with a sign when you have it?
1: And maybe there's something that Jesus is pushing on there of like,
2: yeah, like Uh, you can't interpret this one. I love that point, Lisa, because he's talking to two groups of people who have the Torah and have interpreted it differently. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And there's a way perhaps he's saying to them, if I gave you a sign, you would interpret it through the lens you're already using to interpret the Torah. And I'm Mm. pushing against both of your lenses already. So a sign will not help Mm. because you're not reading the sign correctly that you already have, which is the Torah in your hands. Mm. And so why do you think a sign is the thing that'll change your lens?
3: because you have a lens and the lens is wrong. <laughs> that's so good.
0: I mean, and I think that's where like when, when, when Jesus says, I mean, cause the very next thing he does with the disciples is he's like, beware of the, of the, of the, the leaven of the fair, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's like, be careful what, what they're sprinkling into the dough here. Cause it's going to make the whole thing rotten really quick. Like, cause, like basically like, their lens, their ingredients, their their way of baking this is is going to end up really harming things. And it reminds me of like, you know, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Like is this fruit good? Is what's coming out good or is it is what's coming out really unhealthy? Um and I think that's we like to decide which fruit is good based on how much we like it. Like if I'm a part of something that's benefiting me, I like to see it as good fruit. But if somebody else says, you know, what that group is doing is actually causing me harm, I don't really want to see that. I don't want to see that my group's causing bad fruit because it's causing, it's giving me good fruit. But I think that's where we have to like ask the bigger question of like, is this really good fruit? Is it really good news? Because if it's good news, it's got to be good news for everybody, not just good news for some. And and I think that's the thing that we're we're sometimes not willing to ask: is is it really good for for all people, or is it just benefiting some of us?
2: When it seems like in Matthew twelve, what he's attacking, like we get really consumed with the, like proving Jesus's death and resurrection, and so we just we hear him saying the three night, three days, three nights thing because he does say it there. But where he then goes in verse forty one of twelve is the people of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and something greater than Jonah is here. And you're not meaning like you're not seeing what the people of Nineveh saw Mm -hmm. in Jonah. You're asking for a bigger sign than the people of Nineveh did. And you already have the Torah in your hands. You shouldn't need a sign at all. You should see that I'm the person who has come like How are you missing it? And then he goes on to say, like, the Queen of the South will condemn this generation because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon. The Queen of Sheba came to listen to Solomon. Like, you're not listening to me. You have everything you need to be able to interpret and understand this, and you're not. So a sign's not going to help. Your lens is blinding you to the truth that is in front of you. Don't ask for a sign. Take off your blinders. Like. Mm There, there's an energy there that feels like. Even then, now when we go to sixteen and think about hypocrite, like don't ask for a sign, take off your mask, because in Greek acting, like that's a part of the hypocrite is you put on a mask for the play, you take off the mask when Mm -hmm. you're not in the play, and so it feels like he's saying to them, like, don't ask for a sign, take off your mask and Mm -hmm. see more clearly. Mm -hmm. Where is there something that's changing? how you are, that's changing how you see. I
3: like that. You know, I think that that part
0: of my own evolution as a person reading this, this sacred text has been the challenge of, can I put on a different set of lenses and read it? Because the hardest thing to do is to read something that you've read over and over and over and hear something new come like it's it's nearly impossible because you're you're wired and programmed to pull out of it what you already know, and so if you think that God is a vengeful God who's going to you know throw people into hell that don't agree with God, you're going to read it that way. And it's going to it's going to bubble up and spark and you're going to be like, "See, there it is." And and but if you're but if you're someone who tries the lens of like how much does forgiveness and mercy play a role in this text? How much does care for others play a role? Um you put that lens on and and that's going to going to spark too it's going to bubble up it's going to be there um and and i think for me the biggest challenge is like how do i consciously take off a set of lenses and try to put on a different pair and see what sparks with this text um it's not not easy and i probably mess it up all the time but um it's it's been a helpful practice in order for the bible to in a way come alive again And part of it is allowing someone else's lens to be one to listen to, right? And I I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is trusting someone else's reading of something, which is what's beautiful about 40 Orchards is sitting in a circle and allowing other people's lenses and perspectives to be held um, with honesty and with integrity and with
3: equal um, standing. Uh, is really meaningful. Mm.
1: Like the action that causes Jesus, like when Jesus is saying the um, a wicked and adulterous a generation seeks
3: um, is actually like that word is up as a tail. And that one is uh, like intensely search- searching, it's like desire and um,
1: clamors and demand to seek diligently. Which anytime I'm in that mode of seeking something diligently, clamoring, desiring, craving, demanding, all of my energy is towards that action.
3: Hmm.
1: That's where my energy lies is in that work. And so the other thing that I think could possibly be happening is like, if we put all of our energy in looking and seeking in the, the sign business what we miss is the ability to see anything else. Mm. We can't actually see people like it's impossible to live out the work of the Torah of the new Testament of what Jesus is doing for us to be like Jesus. If we're so, if we're just trying to intently find a sign,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: because then we're not looking towards people, which that feels like it makes more sense to me of like, where is your energy? Like what, what thing is Jesus
3: actually tipped about? That if you're looking for a sign, maybe you are much more. Uh, Yeah. If you, if all of your energy is going for that, you will miss.
1: Like it's that thing where you hear people talk about like, Oh, the rapture and looking for the sign of revelation, all the things that are happening, Revelation. look at all these Mm -hmm. things. Like, and when you focus on that, you completely miss here now, because all Mm -hmm. you're thinking about is Mm. that. So I don't know, maybe there's something in that action. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think there's something important to, to to mention too, that like Jesus doesn't ever seem to step in and say, we've got to, we've got to completely change this way of worshiping or practicing. Like there, there's not like a, you know, what we really shouldn't do is ever go to the temple again. We shouldn't ever go to the synagogue again. We should never read from the scrolls again. Like we, we've we never, like Jesus keeps going to the temple. He keeps going to the synagogues. Like he's not one that's purely operating outside the system. Like there is something that he seems to honor the different routes that people have to faith or to this way of understanding a worldview, uh, you know, a a bigger view of what it means to connect to the divine. Like he seems to honor those different paths and, and, and utilize them, but, but isn't going to shy away from critiquing them when they've missed the direction that they should be headed as far as who, who they're there to serve and i i, I cuz like what i want to be really careful of is that as much as i want to be someone that's humble enough to learn from a prophetic word or someone that challenges the fruit that we're producing i still be, like personally obviously this is where i'm employed but i personally still believe that the vehicle of the church can do good things for communities and for people and and has a story to tell that can be really meaningful and dynamic and beautiful for people. But it it constantly needs to be critical of itself or allow others to critique it so that it can course correct as it's needed. And we've seen this over history, right? I mean, one of the most famous versions of it being Martin Luther and the Wittenberg door and the 95 theses of saying like, Hey, we've gotten way off the path here. We need to do something different. And I feel a little bit like
3: Jesus is kind of the initiator of that here.
2: Well, It makes me think about the word Jesus, the word that Lisa brought us to of like, they're seeking after a sign and what if they were seeking after something like what if they were coming to Jesus and be and asking being curious mhm instead of seeking a sign like tell okay jesus like you're amassing all these followers can you tell us more about how you're seeing things differently than we're seeing things like i want to i want to have a learner posture i might still disagree with you in the end but ultimately i want I want whatever is in my point of view for how to help people be faithful. I want it to be refined. I'm willing to be corrected. I'd like to know your perspective. And like there there is a there is that learner posture really missing of mm-hmm. like perhaps there could have been room to agree to disagree on some things, but they also don't seem to be willing to be corrected, which feels different than what you said of like can I believe in a thing but still be willing to have accept critique and course correction
3: mm-hmm.
2: and is that a part of the lesson here to look for that to look for learning
1: well i also there's a posture of you know if we're talking like not so much if we step outside of us being like leaders in spiritual spaces and we put ourselves as people who are participate in spiritual spaces
3: it does make me um there is some responsibility for me of
1: not looking for my pastor or my person to interpret everything for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of the, like it gets tied into this weird stuff of like, I don't know. I spent way too much, too much time hearing like you had to read the Bible every day. Like feed yourself, read the Bible. It, it's not that. Cause like, actually I feel like that would have been, that's maybe an invitation to something, except that the assumption is, is that you're going to find the exact same thing that I've taught you
3: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> when you're mm-hmm. reading it yourself. <laughs> and that's the part where it misses. Uh, like, I don't know. There's in some ways for me, what what's kind of like pulling like the feeling that feels like conviction a little bit right now, like where I'm like, Oh, there feels like there's, that's where the thing is. Like where I have to work on it a little bit is always looking outside
3: of myself for the affirmation or for the. um. Yeah. It's really nice to have somebody that just tells you what it is. Here's mm-hmm. what you gotta do. This is what happens.
1: <laughs> but, but then when you become, I don't know, I feel like now I'm suspicious of all of it. Now everything
3: feels like, well, is that is that true? Is that, is that what you say? Is that the, I don't know. It's just being in really hard
1: spaces all the time. You just hear people say crazy stuff that I'm like, Oh, I, yeah, I remember hearing that and being like comforted by that at one point in my life. And now I find it super disorienting. Cause I'm like, I, mm, okay. What are we saying when we say heaven? Uh-huh. Are we speaking the same language?
3: <laughs> like,
1: um, I don't know. Yeah, I just there's something in the discerning and seeking and spiritual authority conversation here that just has me kind of, mm. I don't know, trying to figure out what the kind of what the next right thing is, the next step.
3: You know, but, I,
0: I, you started out, stuff by talking about having a, a sense of like being generous with these leaders. And, and I think what's really important about that is
3: I I, I would definitely
0: be one of them like without question, knowing myself, knowing like I, like literally the savior of the world comes along and I'm supposed to believe that like, I don't know how I would. I don't I don't know how I would accept that standing in front of me. And it's it's it feels easier to me to believe this 2000 years later after so much of this has been discussed and wrestled with and we're invited into then in the moment standing face to face,
3: like, I, I, I would have messed that up. Yeah. Somebody 2,000 years from now would be critiquing me.
0: (laughs) Um, And, uh, and so, yeah, I think it kind of poses it. it, it, I hope that humbles me a little bit because, you know, not that what I'm doing on this planet is going to be something worth looking back on 2,000 years from now. But, you know, pretend that it did, like, what would my posture be? Would it be one of a learner? Would it be one that's curious? Would it be one that wants to, like, wrestle and question and ask which way the spirit's blowing, you know, and not just trust the system that's working for me? Am I willing to listen to voices that are saying it's broken? Or am I saying, come on, it's not really that broken? Um, you know. Yeah, how would how would they write this story with me being involved in it? Um and I don't know that I'm succeeding very well in this moment. Maybe I'm doing okay. I don't know, but that's the question I think I need to wrestle with.
2: Which again, I think that's the sign of Jonah. Is that There is a spirit that blows that language you used. And at this time of Jonah, the entire city of Nineveh felt that spirit and trusted that intuition, and that was enough. And what is it to have that same sort of open posture of trusting that spirit, trusting that intuition, even if it comes from the voice of someone unexpected walking through our town, walking through our church, who's saying something in your system isn't working, turn, can we sense in our spirit when that voice is right and listen and turn? Um, And that is a hard word, but it's an important word because it's like, like in Jonah's case, he's very much an outsider. He is not a Syrian, he's from Israel. What is it to say who is walking through our town and talking? Who's Jonah? Who's Jesus walking through our places and saying, turn. And are we hearing them or are we asking for proof that that voice is right before we're willing to turn? Mm -hmm. And how can we seek after something more than a sign?
0: This has been a 40 Orchards podcast. At 40 Orchards, our mission is to create circles for all people to wrestle through biblical text so that together we can expand each other's experience of what is sacred, whole, and good. We search through the lens of sacred possibility, assuming there is more to be discovered, questioned, and applied as we listen for how God is still speaking. You can learn more about 40 Orchards and sign up for a study by going to 40, that's 40orchards.org. Our opening music is by Less FM. Our closing music is by NCR Music Vibes. Additional music is by 3Music. Any references to books or other sources can be found in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for searching the sacred.